You may be seated. Hey, we are so glad to have you here this morning. And for those of you who are watching and joining us online with our live stream, we're thankful for you being with us as well. I don't know if you guys have felt this way, but you know, now that we have been coming back and been here on campus for you know, a couple of different uh, services. You know, we have one that meets earlier in the morning and then we have this one. And uh, after being away for so long and doing everything online, uh, it's like going back to school. You remember how it felt, you know, when you went, would go back to school that first day and you're always wondering, you know, what kind of new shoes people had on. And I know some of you have come to see what's Derek going to be wearing, you know, what kind of, what kind of shoes he's going to be sporting this week. And uh, I know that uh, you're always interested in, you know, who's new that's going you know, to be here. And I've already, uh, today, I've already met with, uh, I've seen couples that have moved here recently from, uh, the, uh, from Mississippi, from Nashville. I've seen couples who have uh, moved in uh, from uh, the Atlanta area. Uh, and so we've got some new families that are here with us. And so that's exciting. And so uh, I want to make sure that as you are looking around and as you are trying to figure out, hey, who, Who's at school this week? And I know we've got the mask on, and you know, as we're trying to have conversations with each other, it can be difficult. Uh, but even if you don't recognize the people that are around you, say hello. Um, invite them, you know, to get a big fat yeast roll somewhere, you know, for lunch or something, or be able to have social distant um, mac and cheese, you know, in your driveway. I don't know. Do something nice for somebody, right? And uh, and do that. It'll be great. But when we ha we have new people that move in. And we always then, there are going to be those who are going to be moving out. And that is the case also. The Hensleys are going to be transitioning to Florida. Uh, They're going to be moving down, going to be closer to their son and his wife. And so, uh, Miss Carolyn, this is going to be, I think, her last weekend with us. Tim is going to be here a little bit longer through the end of December. Uh, we are so thankful for the time that they have been in our midst and going to be continuing to pray for them as they move. Of course, they also have a daughter at the University of Georgia been there. And, and so a lot of transitioning that's going on. And we're just, um, if you're coming, welcome. If you're leaving, we hope that the time that you've been with us has been served to prepare you for either, either greater mission, uh, even greater mission in the kingdom of God. And so uh, we're just grateful, grateful for the way that God works. And for those, again, who are watching online, uh, whether you're a part of our church family or not, we're thankful. And uh, if you're able to come and join us, you know, in the weeks to come, we look forward to that. Uh, we're in a study, as you see, called Home for the Soul. And we're talking about heaven. And it brings up all kinds of different images and thoughts. And I've already talked to some individuals who have said, you know what, I've, I've never really had a series on heaven. We've, we, I've talked about it before, maybe in a class every once in a while, or a preacher would mention it in some type of a sermon, but never really anything where we kind of dug deep. And individuals have already started asking, now, all right, what, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And I'm saying, all right, just hold on. We're trying to leave little breadcrumbs, and, and we're trying to go slowly as we're talking about this subject. And I hope that as we continue to go through, it's going to continue to excite you. So here's where I thought we'd start today. Uh, I want to give you a quote from John Eldridge and his book, Journey, The Journey of Desire. Here's what he said. Nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. He says, we have settled on an image that the never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. And then he says, our hearts sink. Forever and ever? That's it? That's the good news? And then we sigh and feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. 
And we lose heart and we turn once more to the present to find what life we can. And I don't know if this is your image or not, but that heaven is one just long church service in the sky. And for some of you, you might be going, yes! And then for those of you who are more honest, you might be going, oh, man, right? I mean, I mean sometimes we, we just don't enjoy church that much. And to think of church being just over and over, and it just keeps going and going. I mean, after your 10th millionth verse of holy, 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 even though we love the old hymn, you say, is this really all that there is? Maybe you feel like, like Gary Larson, the author of all those Far Side cartoons. Remember those? Well, he had this one depicting a winged saint sitting along on a cloud and wishing that he would have brought a magazine. Is that kind of how you look at it, that maybe you're going to be disappointed? That you're going to get there and it's going to be like, wait a minute, I was expecting so much more and I wanted something, I wanted something that's different. Well, it makes me think of Mark Twain's portrayal of heaven in his book, Huckleberry Finn. The pious Miss Watson had taken a dim view of some of Huck's antics, and so she has a conversation with him, and this is the way that Huck describes that conversation. He said, she went on and on and told me all about the good place. And she said all a body would have to do there was go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. So I didn't think much of it. I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there. And she said, not by a considerable sight. Well, I was glad about that because I wanted him to be with me and for us to be together. <laughs> you know, obviously, nothing that Miss Watson had to say about heaven appealed to Huck. And if we're honest, does that picture really appeal to you? The idea of polishing your halo for eternity, playing the harp and, and singing, is that what Christ died for us? to experience. I wonder how, my, how many of us actually wonder if things might get boring in heaven. But oh well, we say, hey, better than the alternative, right? I mean, I'd rather be, be bored in heaven and, and be on my cloud and have my wings and have my harp and, and have my halo than, well, than the, the alternative thought. Here's the premise for today. If heaven cannot capture our imaginations, it cannot shape our lives. I believe that God wants us to be excited about, about heaven. And that grasping what life will actually be like in heaven is God's design for radically changing our lives here in the cursed world that we live in. I mean, it really does matter how much we think about heaven and what we think about heaven. Here's what I want you to consider. Look at Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. And listen to what he says. It'll also be on the screen if you'd like to see it, beginning of verse 13. He says, We are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Peter's premise is that our anticipation of the future affects our sanctification right here and now. In other words, the excitement that we have about heaven impacts our commitment to the radical lifestyle that God has called us to. Because how much I am looking forward to the new earth will determine how I live while I'm here on this old earth. So let me say it this way. If we do not possess a vision of heaven that excites us, that we can get excited about, 
we are going to find something else to excite us. We're going to find something else to draw our attention towards. And it's hard to get excited about an eternity of playing harps and polishing halos. I mean, lucky for us, I suppose then, that the stereotypical views of heaven are not the picture that we have painted by God himself. Heaven is not a place of endless passivity where we just sit around and flitter with our wings as eternity rolls. But rather, it is a place of energetic activity. So let's get excited about heaven today. And I want to give you three things about heaven that I feel like everybody needs to get excited about. And here's the first one. I want you to get excited about totally unhindered worship. Because everything in heaven is going to be for God's glory, and it's going to be as God intends. Now, in the truest sense, all of our activities are going to be a form of worship and praise before our God. But I believe there are going to be times of focused and passionate praise of a nature that we haven't even experienced yet. And we get a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 7. And I want you to, I want you to listen how, how this scene is described. John writes, I saw a vast crowd, a vast crowd too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. He says they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a mighty shout, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to their God forever and ever. Amen. Now that's a church service, right? I mean, now that is a church service to get excited about. One that, I believe, captures our imagination and our attention. And yet there's something inside of me that feels that we just don't understand how to do church quite right yet. We have an issue with this. Perhaps because, in some ways, we are just too afraid to. I mean, do you find it ironic that at a gathering such as this one, a gathering where we come together to encourage one another, to to lift one another up, to, to encourage one another towards love and good deeds, and to be able to bring together our collective, unleashed adoration and praise to God, that these moments often end up being more defined by our fears, by our inhibitions, by our traditions, and our thoughts about what somebody else might be thinking right now. I mean, am I really that far off the beaten path to suggest that we have actually trained ourselves how to hold back when we worship. Well, to whatever degree that that might be true for you, I know this. You and I are not going to have to worry about that in heaven. Everyone will be fanatical about worship in heaven. Everybody's going to be fanatical about it, and we're going to worship God with all of our heart and with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, and if that doesn't excite you, then I'm just going to tell you, your wood's wet, and you can't get excited. I mean, that is going to be awesome, to be able to offer to God praise and worship that 
is going to be my whole being, everything that I am, and to be able to offer that to him unencumbered without wondering what anybody else is going to say, without wondering what anybody else is going to talk about when it's all said and done and we're all at Cracker Barrel, it is going to be an emotional moment. Unhindered worship to God. And if you say, I, I think I'm going to need some help <laughs> because, you know, I've just, I've kind of trained myself not to really go all out in my worship. Well, don't worry, you're going to have the angels to give you a little clue as to what it's going to be like. After all, they've been doing this a lot longer than we have. And guys, I can't wait to hear the angels sing. I can't wait to participate in a multicultural chorus of every age, with every tribe, with every nation that has ever existed. Because when the call is announced across the new earth, hey, it's time to meet around the throne and praise God. I have a hard time thinking there's going to be anyone bored when that call goes out. Everyone's going to be so excited because we're going to lose ourselves in praise because God will never cease to be fascinating to us. Never cease to be fascinating. And, and seeing God is going to be this dynamic moment. It's not going to be this static existence. And so God leaves us little hints in order to inspire our imagination so that our lives right now can be changed. So get excited about unhindered worship. Let me tell you something else to get excited about in heaven. You and I are going to engage in clearly important service. I don't know if you've thought about this, but do you realize that you currently right now are in training for your eternal career? The promise of heaven isn't the chance to retire, but it's the opportunity to live out your real vocation. You see, if we pay attention, we begin to catch on how Jesus alludes to this life that we're going to experience in heaven in telling of the story of the shrewd manager. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16. He said, if you are faithful in little things, or you're going to be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, well, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? See, in other words, when Jesus returns, he is going to determine how faithful we were with the gifts that we were given. And then we will enter into his happiness with according responsibilities. I think that's one of the primary reasons that God set in motion this idea of stewardship, where God gives us blessings to use right now on his behalf. And as we faithfully steward his resources, not only is the kingdom of heaven having impact right here and right now in this world, but we are being prepared for more profound responsibilities in the next. Because imagine this. Imagine being able to perfectly live out the perfect will of God. Where you are able to serve God perfectly. Where you are able to accomplish his will perfectly. That is what is in store for us. We were created to be rulers, to be managers, to be caretakers of God's good creation. When God created humanity, he told them, look, I placed you in this perfect environment. And I want you to have dominion over it. But humanity forfeited that dominion by choosing disobedience. Dominion of the earth was traded for a piece of the earth. That's what happened when, when Adam and Eve, in their desire to be like God, 
They said, sure, let me take this fruit of the earth. Let me take earth and let me exchange it for heaven. I'm going to give to you heaven so that I can have earth. But when Jesus returns, he's going to enjoy eternally uncontested rule. And in restoring the kingdom of God, Jesus has made the decision to delegate his rule to his co-heirs. And so here's what we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is a trustworthy saying, Paul writes. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. Understand, God is in the process of restoring in us what we were created for in the very beginning. And heaven is going to provide us the opportunity to live out the perfect version of ourselves as we enjoy significant service to the king. That's what we have to look forward to. That is what's coming. It's not a static existence. It's going to be something that will be dynamic where you and I are finally able to see this is what it means to live out God's perfect will. That's exciting. Now look... We're going to look over the next few weeks how this is going to be possible. Because I know you start thinking about this subject and it's like, wait a minute, well, how that, how's that going to be? And what is that going, what's that going to look like? Look, I want you to make plans to come back and to be part of our study. And I guarantee you do not want to miss the next two weeks. So whether you're going to be watching us online or you're going to be coming here, do what you can to make sure that you're a part of the next two weeks as we've been kind of leading up slowly to what we're going to be talking about. But at least for today, I want you to get excited about the idea that heaven is not just a place of perfect rest, but also a place of perfect work. We will never engage life so joyfully and peacefully and purely as we will live it out in heaven. After all, every single thing that we do will be because of Jesus. And that's something to get excited about. Something to get excited about, and it should impact the way in which now we serve and the way in which we try to fulfill the will of God and the way that we look at the responsibilities that God has given to us in our stewardship. All right, one more thing to get excited about. One more thing. This is, this is going to be this great experience in heaven that um, I know, especially during this time in, in our political season and with a lot of things that have gone on in our, um, in our country, Man, this is something that we need to be looking forward to. Eternally fulfilling fellowship. See, we've got to remember that we were created in the image of God. Humanity, created in the image of God. And God is community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we, by nature, are communal beings. That's why all these lockdowns, and that's why this encouragement to stay home, and even the wearing of masks where we can't really see each other that well, it's why it... It's why it bothers us so much because it's not just because we're Southern, okay? It's not just because we like to, you know, give a howdy-do. No, it's because God has created us to be in community with each other, and now there are barriers that are being placed, and that community is being hampered. It's painful for us. Doing life with God inherently means doing life with each other. But here's the deal. Just like our intimacy with God has been impacted by sin, so too has the intimacy that you and I are able to share with each other. It has also been harmed by sin. But I want you to imagine. Imagine fellowship with no pretense. Imagine being able to walk up to a person and you don't have to wonder what they're thinking about you. 
And they don't have to wonder what you're thinking about them. There's no insecurity. There's no more judgment. There's no arrogance. There's no communication barriers. There's no discrimination. Can you even imagine that? And if you can, does it give your soul just a spark of excitement to think that there is coming a day where I will be in an existence that is totally different from the existence that I have now? Because let me tell you, we live in a time of discrimination. And we live in a time of judgment. And we live in a time of arrogance. And we live in a time of insecurity. And we live in a time where everybody's measuring each other up to see exactly where have you come from and what do you believe and what is your background and how do you vote and what is it that you are about. And there's coming a day where none of that is going to matter. And isn't that exciting? Now heaven, I'm not saying that heaven is going to be where we're all going to be alike. There's going to be diversity, I believe, in heaven. A white person doesn't automatically become a black person. A, a Gentile person doesn't become a, a Jewish person. There's going to be all cultures and there's going to be all tribes of all the nations represented as we are together with God. But what is going to be conspicuously absent is all of the fallen judgment and differences that mar and handicap this world. It's going to be gone. And that's why when we're told in Revelation 21, 26 that all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city, it's a beautiful picture that's painted of the new Jerusalem, of the new heaven, the new earth. I found the story where in 1984, President Reagan attended the opening ceremonies of that year's Olympic Games. It was in Los Angeles. And after he returned back to Washington, his, his daughter Maureen asked what he liked the most. And he said, well, it was, it was when they, they all entered the stadium. The Germans came in behind their flag, and they all looked like you would expect Germans to look. The Chinese came in, and they all looked Chinese. The African nations came in, and they all looked like Africans. But then came the flag of the United States, and the people who followed looked like the whole world. I know it's a simplistic analogy. But friends, that's the way it's going to be in heaven. With all the diversity of the ages. But this time, all under the banner of Jesus Christ. And by the way, everybody's going to love you. Now I know this can be hard for us to actually fathom. Because you've never lived a day in your life where everyone loved you. Even though I know your mama's always said, hey, I love you, right? I mean, your mama might always love you, but everybody's not going to love you. Some people don't love you because of the color of your skin. Some people don't love you because of your citizenship. Some people don't love you because of the way you vote. Some people don't love you because you're a Christian. Some Christians don't love you because you don't believe everything just like they do. But in heaven, everybody's going to love you. And get this, 
you are going to love everybody. And nobody's going to get bored with that. Man, nobody's going to get bored with, with that kind of love. See, here's what I think the truth is. See, if I'm correct, and, and that this is what's awaiting us, then why not get excited? I mean, why wait to pursue what you've been made for? If you were made to worship God for eternity, then why not start now? I'm not just talking about now in a, in a room like this, at a, at a time like this. I'm talking about every single day, every single hour, that your existence is about the worship of God. Why not start now? And if you were made to forever serve God, then what are you waiting for? What are you spending your time doing? And if you were created to love people forever and ever and ever, don't wait until heaven to enjoy the blessing of giving and receiving love. You see, the truth is, it's our current existence. It's our current existence of half-hearted worship and feeble service and judgmental relationships that are all boring. That's what's boring. This life is what's boring. This life and, and all that we have to deal with, and even though you're like, yeah, but it's exciting except when Kentucky beats Tennessee, all right? Or you say, it's exciting, except when South Carolina beats Auburn. You know, it's exciting, except when, you know, Alabama beats everybody. Um, you know, you say, there's all this excitement, but you need to understand this half-hearted worship and this feeble service and this judgmental spirit that we share, it's boring when compared to the excitement of what we're going to be experiencing in heaven. And it's time for the excitement of heaven to break in to our tedious, dull, monotonous, and repetitive lives. Because it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference not only in your life, but also in the lives of those who are around you. Now, some of you might remember Zig Ziglar, who was a great communicator, author, encourager. And he told the story of an economics professor who offered a rather peculiar exam one day. The test had several sections of questions with, with each section containing three categories. And he instructed his students to choose one question from each section on the test. Now the first category in each section was the hardest and was worth 50 points. The second category in each section was not quite as hard. It was worth 40 points. And the, the final section was, well, they, they had the easiest questions and they were only worth 30 points. So when the students had taken the exam and turned in their papers, the students who had chosen the 50-point questions were all given A's. And the students who had chosen the 40-point questions to answer had all given, they'd all received B's. And the students who had chose the easiest questions were all given C's, even though they answered all of those questions correctly. And so naturally, the students went to the professor and were like, hey, what gives? What's going on? And he said, I wasn't testing your knowledge with this test. He said, I was testing, I was testing your aim. And friends, that's what God is doing in our lives. It's not about perfection. It's about the direction. It's about where we long to be. 
And, and I think it's a fair question. What impression are non-believers and even those who believe, what impression are they getting about heaven by observing your aim? Because if you're not excited to go there, why should anybody else be? So get excited about heaven. Get excited about what is to come. Get excited about what God has promised. Get excited about the worship. Get excited about the service. Get excited about the fellowship. And let that excitement then squeeze its way into this life right here and right now. So that this week as you're going about your life and you're at school or you're at work or, or you're at home or you're walking the dog, whatever it is that you're doing, and you get information, something pops up on your phone about another positive test here and a rise in cases over there and this politician says this and this politician didn't say that and, and you get the phone call from something going on in your family and there's something that's an emergency that you've got to take care of and everything is at you, there's still a glimmer of excitement because you realize this world might not be my home but I am going to make this world as much like my home as I can because I'm excited about heaven and I want a little piece of it to influence my day right here and right now. Friends, get excited about heaven because it will change the way that you live on earth. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the glimpses that you give us in your scripture. The glimpses that you give us to remind us that this existence is not all there is. And the pictures that you paint for us to show us what unhindered worship could look like. What it would mean to live out your will perfectly. And Father, what, it, what relationships are actually made to be. Father, until that moment where we're able to experience these things and you face to face is my prayer that for each and every one of us we would allow the anticipation to, to excite us to such an extent that it would, it would change the worship that we offer you now, it would change the way that we serve you now, and it would change the way that we live with others right here and right now. Thank you for not offering some dull future existence. Thank you for offering to allow us to be with you. For we know, Father, that you are not, not dull that you are not boring, and we look forward to the excitement that comes in your presence. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We're going to close out together this morning in song, and normally when we're in a situation like this, we have what we often call our invitation, and we encourage individuals to respond for any prayers or to confess Christ, to say they'd like to be baptized. Because of just health concerns and things, we're trying to limit the uh, the, the interaction and the way in which we kind of get together. But we do want you to know that when we're done here, one of our elders will be in our prayer room, which is located in the lobby. And uh, that'll be a place where you can go and, and sit distant uh, from one of our shepherds and be able to talk with them about anything that might be on your heart, have a time of prayer, be able to um, ask them questions about uh, your own um, 
walk with God and about uh, the scriptures, whatever you'd like to do with that. We want you to know that that opportunity is available. We're going to sing what is a traditional invitation hymn now, right? We're singing Just As I Am. Is that, is that still what we're singing? Or you changed it? All right. We have, uh, that, was, that, was at, um, that was at 9 o'clock. If you came then, you got Just As I Am. Now everybody now, wants Just As I Am. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's not. It's going to be King of My Heart. That's what we're going to sing. And I'll say the same thing I was going to tell you. Uh, no matter if we are responding publicly during the singing of this song or not, I pray that you'll be responding to God and allowing the excitement that you see heaven to be to impact you right here, right now. Let's stand and enjoy his praise. <laughs> 